0: Hey guys, welcome to Vikings Happy Hour. Tonight we are joined by guest Chris Thomason of the Pioneer Press, and we're going to talk all things Vikings. We're going to catch you up on uh, some coordinator searches, the state of the Vikings offseason, and everything else that comes with it. So grab your drink and enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Hello and welcome back
0: to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. Tonight we are joined by Chris Thomason of the Pioneer Press. Chris, thank you for joining us on such short notice. Um, How are you doing this evening?
2: I'm doing well, but all I have is iced tea. I think I better get a harder core beverage, you think, for Happy Hour or not?
0: Hey, that is completely up to you. I've been on this show and I've drank water, tea, you name it. Uh, it's whatever you feel like drinking tonight. So if you want to partake in some alcohol with us, uh, be my guest. But there will be no judgments made here on the show this evening. So.
2: Okay. I'll stick with the iced tea for now and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I,
0: I, I can respect that for sure. Um, Ryan, welcome back Uh Fresh off a of vacation here in, in Mexico. He's, I don't know, what time did your flight get in uh, today?
3: Yeah, uh, we've landed about four o'clock, so I've been home since and uh, just trying to get my legs under me during this corona. So I'm <laughs> not quite ready to leave Mexico yet.
0: <laughs> well, if the temperatures didn't uh, set you back in reality here, I don't know what, what will, but uh, I am I am excited tonight. I'm excited to talk football. Especially with you, Chris. I mean, I think that you've kind of like built a name for yourself out on Twitter. um, Just with your reporting style, your your tenacious uh, journalism. I I think it's it's very respectable. I appreciate it, um, and I and I know a lot of other people do. So, I want to kind of rewind the clock here, though. How did you get to this point? Like, how did you get to be a writer at the Pioneer Press covering the Minnesota Vikings? Because I know this is not your first stop.
2: Oh, so, so you know I'm a consummate veteran, I guess, huh? Uh, <laughs> so, okay, wow, I my whole career. Well, went to Northwestern University and was pretty much um, covered the college ranks, down in South Carolina. Actually, I worked with Mark Craig of the Star Tribune, my first regular job with the Canton Repository in the Hall of Fame city of Canton, Ohio. So uh, then I was in South Carolina, covering Clemson in South Carolina. I went back to my hometown of uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, covered New Mexico basketball. And then for years, I covered the NBA. I covered the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers for the Akron Beacon Journal, the Denver Nuggets for the... Uh, since defunct Rocky Mountain News, that I was a national NBA writer for AOL Fan House, and then I was down in Florida before I came here uh, covering the Miami Heat and Dolphins from 2011 to 13 for Fox Sports, and uh, been here and have been fully on football since 2013 with the St. Paul Pioneer Press.
0: And I assume you'll like it because, I mean, You've been through a couple different head coaches now, right? I, did you cover the end of the Chile era or were you just Fraser into Zimmer? No,
2: no, no. I got here for the tail end of. Leslie Frazier I mean I my timing was terrible they uh I started five games into the season they were one and four they just got blown out by Carolina (laughs) everybody knew Frazier was going to be fired Adrian Peterson was having the issues with uh, a child of his dying up in the Dakotas and I walk in and oh hey I'm covering the Vikings yeah the timing was uh not excellent, but covering Leslie Frazier was outstanding. And uh, as other writers will, will tell you, I mean, one of the classiest guys I've ever been around. After he got fired, he took the media out to a wildfire in Eden Prairie and all bought, bought us a meal and gave each of us a nice uh, cross pen, which uh, mine is still working eight and a half years later.
0: Wow. Uh I have to ask, did did Zimmer, by chance, do that for the local media members?
2: <laughs> no, no, we we have not heard from Mike Zimmer, any members of the media that I know of since he departed, and I don't even know if any players have heard from him, because it was interesting, a few weeks ago when he got fired, Rick Spielman met with the team, but Zimmer did not, and uh, Eric Kendricks, we asked him on a Zoom call if he had even talked to Mike Zimmer that day. He said he hasn't, so... Who knows who Mike Zimmer has talked to since his departure?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's been a crazy offseason thus far. I mean, I think when you start with firing your GM of however many years and then a, a long-tenured head coach, the offseason is bound to be full of a lot of talking points. And we're kind of seeing that through you know a month and a half here um, leading up to the Super Bowl. What are your takeaways Uh of the Vikings off season thus far?
2: Well, I think they got a good one in Kwesi Adafo Mensah as general manager. I mean, all the reviews are excellent. He's a bright personable guy. Um, you know, I thought his press conference a few weeks ago was outstanding. And then uh, several of us media members had a chance to just talk to him one-on-one in kind of a get to know type session. And yeah, I think it's off to a great start. And uh Next week, they should officially name Kevin O'Connell as the head coach. He looks like a dynamic choice and a very energetic type guy. So it seems like there's kind of a new energy with the Vikings.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, it seems like a fun times ahead. Uh, One thing I wanted to just kind of back up on just a little bit here, Chris, is um, obviously your relationship with Zimmer was uh, interesting to say the least course right um and and i think it's got a lot of intrigue amongst the viking fans especially a lot of us that actually watch this show um could you maybe just provide some insights into kind of that dynamic and how it got to those levels of just the kind of back and forth you two had
2: you know i basically just asked the questions and waited what the answers were sometimes you'd ask uh nice positive question about how some offensive lineman was doing and you got a three word answer. And other times you'd ask him something hard hitting about his job status and he'd go on and on. So with Zim, you just never knew. So, uh, Hey, all I say is when people ask me that, I just a- ask the questions and can't control the answers. Obviously.
0: That's gotta be a little Absolutely. difficult though, from a, uh, like a, a media perspective, right? Cause to your point, you just ask the questions you're there to do your job. Um, and, you know, he can get upset all he wants, but is that, is that make it difficult as a media member to kind of have a head coach like that? Uh, I mean, to go from Fraser, right. Who takes you out to nice dinners when he gets fired from the Vikings to a guy like Mike Zimmer, who all you're trying to do is do your job. And, you know, he kind of has these, these remarks, uh, or just is very short answered. Is that difficult for you at all? Or do you just brush it off, and move forward.
2: I mean, you'd look for other sources to talk to, obviously. Uh, if you get – I mean, even if you're doing some glowing story on a player and he, Zimmer, for some reason, doesn't want to expound on him. I mean, the offensive and the defensive coordinator spoke every week and others spoke. Was yeah. a little. Bit, it's been a little bit more difficult the past two seasons because the locker room <laughs> hasn't been open, so it's been – Zoom calls or just uh podium type situations I mean there's been some one on one interviews that you that have been set up the last couple of years, but yeah, I mean everybody in the media is looking forward to returning to uh the old days I mean, it was yeah. crazy that I hadn't met Justin Jefferson one on one and talked to him until I went to his Thanksgiving. Function and and I mean, he knew who he was, I, he knew who I was, and obviously, I asked questions in press conference settings, but finally had a mm-hmm. chance to just you know, chat with him one on one. And there's still players who got drafted that I haven't really <laughs> met. I mean, so let's get this covet situation over with. I mean, I don't want to come to a guy, you know, five years after he's in the league and say, uh, Hey, you. I'm one of the guys that covers the team, you know. Uh I, I I asked you some questions on a Zoom call 5 years ago. So yeah, it's uh it's been a real drag for all members of the media we're all hoping to get back to normalcy.
0: Yeah. yeah well, absolutely. You, you kind of uh you kind of alluded to just the craziness that the last couple years have been. Um I just have to ask like in your in your tenure as writing for the Vikings, reporting for them, what has been like the craziest season for you uh, thus far? Like, has, is it is it the last couple of years just given the COVID restrictions, or is it something else that that we just don't know about?
2: There's a lot of competition. There's one writer who's been around for a while. I won't mention his name, but every he, <laughs> he kind of knows. He's been around for these crazy seasons, and every time something wacko and unbelievable happens, we ask him, uh, you know, where's it ranking in your top 100? Is that that top 10? I I mean, (laughs) the Vikings, just so many crazy things have happened. Uh, I mean, 2016 was – Absolutely wild. I mean, you had the terrible stuff at the start of the year with with Teddy Bridgewater going down and all that kind of stuff, and then, mm-hmm. but then the the 2016 season to end in a meaningless game against Chicago when you're looking up at the rafters and these pe- these two people are hanging from the rafters protesting the Dakota Pipeline at U.S. Bank Stadium, and they're up there during the entire time of the game. I mean, you just don't get any more insane and outrageous. That. So, uh, the 2016 season definitely had a lot.
3: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to, to, kind of turn gears here a little bit more towards the future, we, we had started talking about Kwesi a little bit. Um, I, I, really appreciated you diving deep, you know, going deep in the card of tricks of talking his uh, ex coach, uh, in basketball. At, um, I think it was at Yale. Um, Any insights into any cool stories or anything we need to know about our new head coach, Kevin O'Connell?
2: Well, I mean, I did talk to Chuck Long, who was, uh, for us, old-timers. I mean, he was second in the Heisman Trophy voting for Iowa in 1985, kind of flamed out as an NFL quarterback. But, I mean, he's a legend in Iowa, and he was actually Kevin O'Connell's college coach. At uh, San Diego State. So I did a story on him last week and he basically gushed about him. I mean, talked about his personality and his intelligence and just uh, how he was at San Diego State that he could tell that this guy had coaching type qualities in him, just the way he asked questions and tried to absorb things and, and that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, we kind of forget he was a pretty darn good quarterback uh, when he was drafted. He went in the third round in 2008 to the New England Patriots. And uh, who knows if a couple things have gone his way, maybe, maybe he would have been the next Tom Brady. He went to the Patriots three rounds <laughs> earlier, but He only lasted one year with them, not uh, 20, but uh, no, I haven't met him uh, personally, but uh, looking forward to uh, next week when he should be introduced.
0: I I do have a question for you. um, And it kind of, you know, talks about Ryan and when he asked you about, you know, going about, you know, connecting with people who are connected with the Vikings. And I think, you know, even as as most recent as last week, you were talking with Jim Harbaugh, right? Like texting with him. Um and so I think what well, my question is is like how do you how do you figure out like where you're gonna go? Because I feel like I feel like you never stop working. I feel like every time I log into Twitter, there's a new tweet from you and it's another new tidbit that no other media member really has. And so I I personally think that's super impressive. And I just want to figure out, like, where's that drive from and what, what, what keeps you going?
2: Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not resting, but <laughs> I appreciate uh, your thanks and appreciate you and following me on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just try to cover what bases – I can. I mean, I fortunately was able to get hold of Jim Harbaugh's phone number last week and talked to him for a minute and a half. Didn't get much out of him, but uh, <laughs> he was a pretty nice guy for a minute and a half. You know, you, you I've, I'd never talked to him before. I didn't know him. So that was kind of cool. And then uh, tried calling him after he was out of the running for the coach. And, you know, I left a voicemail and sent him a text and I didn't expect to hear back. And then he kind of sends me a text just about how much admiration that he has for Adolfo Mensa and saying the Vikings are a first-class organization. So, you know, hey, it's just putting out the feelers. So, you know, you make 100 phone calls and maybe, you know, two people you don't expect to get back from and you hear back from one of them, that's one more than zero, I guess.
0: Yeah, I guess you just got to take your shot, right? I mean, the worst they can do is not respond and then you just kind of move on. So. I can appreciate that for sure. Um, I don't know if you've heard about our show or not, but last week we had uh, we had Chad Graff of The Athletic on our show uh, in what was a pretty pivotal moment, I think an hour before the show is w- when it broke that Harbaugh was not supposed to be head coach anymore. We're shifting gears to O'Connell. But uh, one thing he was able to provide a week ago, which is kind of breaking news today, is the fact that... Uh, Defensive coordinator Ed is it Donatel? Is that is that how you pronounce his last name? Yeah,
2: I think you got it.
0: Yeah, is emerging as the favorite uh, for defensive coordinator for the Vikings under O'Connell. Do you have any news there uh, or any info that you can share with us? How that search is going, um, along with any of the other openings on on the Vikings coaching staffs. So I know we lost Ryan Ficken to the to the San Diego Chargers, amongst some some other positional coaches as well
2: yeah I mean I know there's names in the mix uh for the Vikings defensive coordinator job I mean I'm not going to go as far as saying Donatello is the favorite there was a report today that he is that very well might be true but uh you know I'm a little bit of the okay let's hold your horses they still haven't officially named the coach so you know and we're already talking about coordinators but yeah, he's definitely in the mix and then you got uh Weaver from uh, Baltimore and Pleasant from Detroit and Desai the guy from Chicago. Uh so those are some of the names that are in the mix and any of them that's more of a favorite over the other. I mean, I'm not going to profess to say that, but offensive coordinator I was talking to some folks yesterday and I think that, you know, Wes Phillips of the Rams is definitely, for offense coordinator, a name to keep an eye on. I mean, I had some people telling me that O'Connell, even before he got the Vikings job and he was a candidate for other players, wanted to take him to whatever job he got as his offensive coordinator. But I think the key there is that uh, he could be a guy that replaces uh, O'Connell on the Rams. So if you're Wes Phillips and you have both job opportunities – to replace the Rams, potentially a Super Bowl champion, or to uproot and move to Minnesota. I mean maybe you take the the Rams over the Vikings. So that'll be kind of interesting to see if he has a choice or at least, you know, next week lands one of those jobs, either Minnesota or the Rams. Are,
0: Very
3: interesting. Are you hearing Scotty. anything I, I I was gonna say I have oh, a hard have time believing he was I have a hard time believing Wes Phelps wouldn't want to stay with the Rams, of course. Any, anyone who's connected to Coach McVay um, is seemingly getting great opportunities around the league for, fairly quickly. So, you know, that would make a lot of sense. But who knows? Maybe, you know, his relationship with O'Connell is strong enough. It's definitely one that I've been as well as a good connection. So that's that's great. Um, Matt, go ahead.
2: Yeah, he and O'Connell are very close. They were together in Washington as well as – Also with the Rams. And then, of course, um, Wes Phillips, who's the son of Wade Phillips, grandson of Bum Phillips, had Kirk Cousins. I mean, he was a tight ends coach, but he's familiar with Kirk Cousins. He was with him for four seasons in uh, Washington as well. And uh, O'Connell was with Cousins for just one season in Washington.
0: I think I think you kind of led me to something I, I do want to talk about, but I don't want to talk about at the same time. It's it's beating a dead horse uh, when we when we bring up Kirk Cousins, whether it's on this show, whether it's you know he's just he is the Minnesota Vikings right now. If you talk about the Vikings, Kirk Cousins will come up, no doubt. And so we had a report the other week, right, Schefter after the Pro Bowl, kind of mentioned that O'Connell. Uh, wants to work with Kirk. Um, you know, we have friends of the show over at Score North, uh, Judd Zolgad. Um, you know, he was saying of course that's what, you know, they'd want to leak at this time because you don't want to deflate the value for Kirk Cousins heading into the offseason. Um are you hearing anything about Kirk Cousins? And and aside from 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 your job, what is your opinion about just Kirk Cousins as the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings?
2: Well, I think you know, you know you kind of know what you're going to get from Kirk Cousins. I mean, Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. I mean, I find a little bit misdefined though. I mean, you look at you look at his numbers in his career and if you cover up his one lost record, you'd be surprised to see that he's a 500 quarterback and it, it seemingly doesn't matter what happens or what he does. I mean, he's always a 500 quarterback, but you know, it's going to be interesting to see if he's willing to work with them at all. I mean, I asked Kirk in his last press conference after the Chicago finale, if, you know, I said, well, you take up 21.6% of the salary cap potentially next year, you willing to do anything about your salary? and that sort of thing, and what do you think of your future? And he, in his quotes, kind of left open the possibility that, hey, he doesn't know what the number was, but the way he said it, he kind of sounded like he might be willing to work with the Vikings. And, of course, that was before he knew O'Connell, who he worked with in Washington, was going to be the coach. And uh, I haven't seen Kirk Cousins' comment yet on O'Connell specifically. I know Dalvin Cook last week and spoke to NFL Network and said he was talking to Kirk Cousins and Kirk was really speaking up O'Connell, just talking about the energy he brings and and how much Kirk liked him. So, you know, the bottom line is if Kirk Cousins is not the quarterback, who is? I mean, there's nobody in-house that's a realistic option to start next season. Kellen Mond's not ready. The draft isn't a great one for quarterback. So anybody who potentially took a 12 could even be a crapshoot. And uh, so if they're going to move on from Kirk Cousins, who has the $45 million cap number, $35 million guaranteed, I mean, you've got to either get a quarterback back in a deal that you think is fairly solid and is at worst a bridge quarterback, or you've got to know that there's a guy in free agency that boom, you, you can get right away. You trade Cousins and then sign this guy. So, I mean, until there's a realistic look at what the other options are for the Vikings, I mean, who's going to replace Kirk Cousins? It's, it's kind of hard to say they're definitely going to trade him until there's a potentially realistic option as his replacement.
3: Yeah, and there's yeah, a lot of rumors it's, it's, out there that like Stefanski is you know potentially interested in reuniting, uh, and then of course there's some obvious needs around the league that that you know could you know bring Kirk in and, and help a team who's ready to roll right now. What we do know is that we just can't carry that forty five million dollar hit into next year with our cap situation as it is today. So there's a lot of uncertainty there that I'm sure you're. Thirsting for more clarity on as a reporter for the team, um, I do want to quick jump to uh, one of the fan questions here. We had a couple of people who are asking some questions in the chat. We usually like to give them some love. Uh, Dan Henneman here had mentioned, you know, what's your best Sid Hartman story? So we're kind of going away from the Vikings a bit. I'm sure there's a little real. It's probably a Vikings-related um, story. Uh, any any insights on Sid Hartman and and you know uh, interactions with him that maybe uh, come to mind for you?
2: Maybe not a great personal one, but I would say historically. I mean, you look back at film from you know Super Bowl Eight, or even a Super Bowl that the Vikings weren't in, and then you see the footage of. The announcer's talking to the winning coach or something, and there's Sid Hartman lurking in the background trying to, you know, put his mic in. I mean, there's almost a Forrest Gump quality that he had that he was, like, everywhere, you know, especially in football. I mean, you know, some big game, and there was Sid Hartman kind of uh, squeezing in to uh, try to get the quote or, uh, you know – knowing some guy or something along those lines. So that's probably my greatest memory when I think of him versus maybe, um, you know, anything specific alongside him, because I certainly knew of Sid Hartman well before I got here in 2013. And even when I got here, I mean, in 2013, he was probably what, uh, 93 range or something like that around then.
3: Look, it's, uh, he was a legend, that's for
0: sure. Yeah, and and I was gonna say, Ryan, you know, you, you make that a tough transition because it's, it's it's tough to to pivot off of a legend like Sid Hartman here. So, uh, apologize for just the brutal uh, transition <laughs> here, but uh, uh, I I do want to talk to you because you've been in the media for a long time, Chris, and um, you have have a lot of fun stories. What is what is maybe one of the the craziest stories that that you've had or you've maybe discovered when when trying to you know dig in on some background for whether it's Vikings players or coaches or hell you said you you covered the Denver Nuggets Uh, I I assume that was back in the Allen Iverson days Uh, so maybe there's some some stories there too.
2: Well, I don't know if it's a crazy story but I'll mention Alan Iverson. I mean, he was uh <laughs> just actually a joy to cover. I mean, he had oh, all these fun. problems and he had all these problems in Philadelphia and afterward but in the two years he was in Denver, I mean, he was great and I would say to people, "God, I, we must have been bad reporters. He he didn't do anything wrong then." And they would say, "No, he loved Denver." And I remember just a couple times in the parking lot I would follow uh, Alan Iverson out and he would just go on and on and I would have to end the interview versus him. you know, if you're talking to someone usually they end the interview, especially a big star. and I'd be kind of like, after 20 minutes, okay, Alan, gotta go. So uh, you know yeah, it was it was absolutely uh, great covering him, but uh, you know, crazy stories. I remember uh, once uh, somebody out of the blue when I was a national NBA writer for AOL. Uh, fan House had sent me something to the effect that Derek Favors, the guy who was, I think, the number two pick in the NBA draft, he's still playing, was his son. And Derek Favors didn't even know who his father was. And this guy provided me all this documentation. This guy, had he had played for St. Louis University or something along Those lines, and he gave me all this evidence and all of this stuff. And I went on some like stakeout mission (laughs) to uh, the (laughs) draft camp in Orlando and basically tracked down Derek Favors and basically told him who his father was which he didn't even really know. And, I mean, that was just just a, a crazy story, and he talked a little bit about it that and that sort of thing. Wow. And, you know, last I heard we were going to try to uh, develop some sort of relationship, but uh, that was kind of wacko when someone just emails you. Because I had written a feature on Derek Favors when he was in college and about how he was hoping to be the number one pick in the draft, and then when somebody just emails you out of the blue saying that, oh, I'm Derek Favors' father. And, you know, he, they he had been separated from his mom at a super young age and it proved to be accurate.
0: Well, Chris, I think that if uh, if if you want to stop writing, maybe you could have a daytime TV show where you just connect, you know, people with their with their mothers and fathers. You just have anonymous submissions and uh, you can just <laughs> pursue that path if you kind of want.
2: Yeah, maybe we'll get some interesting emails after this particular session. Hearing that story, but uh, yeah, that was a crazy one that popped into my mind.
3: Well, and you have uh, some good feel-good ones here, and then, and then, of course, you know, we we see here on Twitter and whatnot that there's some scuffs that kind of happen, right? Brashad Breeland is probably the most recent one where it seems like he kind of came at you for something you had said. And I think other players have done in the past, any interesting uh, or highlight worthy um, player exchanges that you've had, Uh, maybe more on the kind of weird or negative side.
2: Well, I'll announce now that Brashad and me are best buddies. Uh, He, uh, (laughs) had something on Twitter that I tweeted, and I said, well, let me DM you. So I direct messaged him, and we had a fine conversation. And just a few weeks ago, he turned 30 years old, and I sent him a message wishing him a happy 30th birthday, and he responded for sure. So uh, no issues here between me and uh, Bashad Breland. But
1: uh,
2: yeah, yeah, well, hey, we're best buddies. So if you're listening, Bashad, you know uh, – Good luck in your next stop, and once again, happy thirtieth birthday! So, uh, uh, what was the what was the, the the rest of the question there?
3: Just any any kind of interesting stories around you know? Obviously, you gave that great one with the Derek Favors and the Allen Iverson. Maybe more in the kind of negatives, like anything weird that's ever happened with the player that is worth like noteworthy that would be interesting for these fans.
2: Here's kind of a funny one, and involves Hall of Fame baseball player. Gaylord Perry he I I was in South Carolina in the 1990s working for a paper and uh I was writing some columns too and he was the baseball coach at Limestone College a local college and then um so I wrote a he didn't get into the Hall of Fame one year and I wrote a column saying yeah you know he's probably deserving of the Hall of Fame but uh He uh, isn't a first ballot type guy, should probably waste, you know, needs to wait some time. Jim Palmer, I think, was up. Palmer's a a better candidate, that sort of thing. So I interviewed him for this advanced story, and that was what kind of appeared in a column. So the next year, I'm contacting Gaylord Perry, and I'm told, oh, he he won't speak to you from what you – wrote last year. And I'm like, huh? Because you had written the story that he shouldn't be a first ballot Hall of Famer, which was ridiculous. And then he gets, to, ends up getting into the Hall of Fame. And our paper wanted to do like a big giant story or section on him. So they contacted him and Gaylord Perry, the baseball coach at Limestone College says, no, I, I won't speak to the your paper unless you fire Chris Thomason. So here we have a Hall of Fame baseball player saying they won't speak to the paper unless they fire me thankfully they didn't fire me over something so ridiculous as i'd written the year before that he wasn't a first ballot hall of famer but he should probably eventually get in no <laughs> so i haven't you know I've, that was years ago so i don't know if Gaylord perry is, will talk to me on or uh, if you after all these years he's still refusing to talk to me so who knows
0: <laughs> you'll have to reach out just to find out right
2: <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> Um. I feel like we could talk stories with you for a long time, but I do want to get like your personal opinion just on the Vikings in general right now uh, in kind of moving forward. We've talked about Kirk. We've talked about O'Connell. We've talked about uh, uh, Adolfo Mensah as well, but what are your overall thoughts of like where the Vikings franchise sits here today? You've almost covered this team for 10 years. Um, You've seen the ups and downs. You've seen – you know star players get hurt get suspended um so here we are it's it's a new regime what what is your what are your thoughts on the vikings in general right now and where can they improve moving forward if you were gm
2: well they've obviously got a lot of yeah, they've got a lot of talented young players. I mean, you look at a Justin Jefferson, no doubt. Uh, Dalvin Cook, maybe he's not young for running back anymore, but uh, he still obviously is uh, a top-level player. Uh, they're kind of in between in that weird stage. I mean, some people are saying, oh, they need a rebuild, they need to start over, but I don't think the Wilfs are going to – a total rebuild. I mean, Mark Wilf pretty much said when he fired uh, Zimmer and uh, Rick Spielman on that day that this isn't a total rebuild. And and I believe him there. But then by the same token, unless you do something with Cousins, and if you did something with Cousins, that might be rebuilding, they don't really have the cap room to go out and uh, sign a whole bunch of people. So, I mean, it's almost like in 2020, if you recall they kind of tried to rebuild and stay the same you know stay competitive at the same yeah. time and it didn't work i mean they went seven and nine but maybe they're saying themselves well it didn't work because you know we had the injuries and look at who we had but we now have new vibrant exciting personnel and that sort of thing so i wouldn't be surprised if it's another uh hybrid type thing where they're kind of uh, trying to retool. They're not going to call it rebuilding. They're going to try to retool while staying competitive. I know that can be sometimes tough, the one foot in, one foot out approach, but they're they're kind of stuck in that middle ground. And, I mean, if you just totally – say we're going to rebuild i mean you're going to tick off justin jefferson and who knows what he might want to do in his future and and other younger players but uh obviously they have to do some things differently than uh what they've done before with the same with the same old
0: yeah for sure um sorry i just i got sidetracked there for a second uh you you talked about justin jefferson well I'll, i'll get to that in a second the the wilfs um to your point, they, they mentioned that they, they don't really want to rebuild. They, they they kinda wanna somewhat remain competitive, right? They don't want to call out a rebuild. It's a lot easier to do when there's a seventh seed added to the NFL playoffs, right? We I think we saw Philadelphia uh make the playoffs this year. San Francisco, uh, they do have an elite defense, but uh they did make they they, they get did get hot at the right moment to kind of make that point. Do you think that hurts or helps the Vikings in 2022? Because I feel like they need to be definitive in their approach and they can't be like the one foot in, one foot out, like you mentioned. And so do you feel like with NFL adding the seventh last year, it's going to hurt or help the Vikings moving forward?
2: Well, if you think about it, I mean, look how close they were to making the, the playoffs this past season. I mean, they technically finished one game, out i mean if philadelphia had something to play for in the last game you know might, that might have been different and it wouldn't have been a one game situation but you just reverse the outcome of the detroit game which they gave away and the dallas game which they they should have won and i mean ju- two games you reverse and they're all of a sudden 10 and 7 and i think the Wilfs
0: mm-hmm. are
2: thinking that way i mean i'm not saying necessarily that one foot in and one foot out is like the best approach i mean that doesn't sell tickets like hey we're gonna kind of half rebuild and half stay good but i think (laughs) they're kind of they're kind of in that spot where you're almost have to in a ways do that because they have enough talent that to just tear it down i don't know if that makes sense and then you alienate some of your young players if you're just going to be losing and then you might end up losing them But then again, some of the veterans are old and and that sort of thing. So it seems uh, difficult that they're going to improve a lot from an 89 record. But when you hire a new GM and a new coach, I mean, they're seeing things in these people or else they wouldn't have hired them and putting yourself in the shoes of the Wilfs they might be saying, well, look at this Kevin O'Connell. This guy is the next Sean McVeigh, the next uh, Zach Taylor. I mean, you interject him with this offense and the same cast as when 8-9 would have gone 11-6. and six. I mean, that might be what they're saying, and I'm sure they're going to put a lot of conviction into their new head coach.
3: Yeah. Well, again, the, the issue here, though, is that we, we aren't rolling back the same team, right? We're, I think, 15 million under or over the cap right now with four starters leaving on defense, you know, either in, in a nickel setting or in a base setting, um, and we still don't have an answer at center or guard, and, and we have no money. So, of course, yes, you can extend Kirk, you can restructure um, Hunter, you know, maybe cut Pierce or restructure that deal. Um, but there's still going to be a lot of holes with little to no money. So any direction you're thinking of how they maybe, if they do elect to do that, um, how they would go about trying to field a competitive team? Because we don't have replacements on the roster that are starter level at those positions.
2: Well, they're going to have to make some hard decisions on some of their veterans. I mean, you brought up Daniel Hunter. He's due an $18 million Roster bonus on the fifth day of the new league year in March. I believe it's March six. Uh, it, you know, around March sixteenth range the new league year starts. So March twentieth, I guess, would be the fifth day. I mean, you can't just pay Daniel Hunter, who's paid played seven games in the last two years. Oh, here's his check for eighteen million. You know, hopefully you'll be uh, look good and be healthy next year. So really, there's probably. I mean. You have to either renegotiate with him. you have to uh, you could take the eighteen million and divide it up among four years and then uh, that's a thirteen point five million dollar cap savings or you just bite the bullet and say, "Well, or you try to trade him or you just cut him and boom, you save eighteen million so they're gonna have to make some very tough decisions on some high paid Guys, Hunters won. Uh, Harrison Smith's do $8 million roster bonus, I believe, in the third day of the new league year. And it's important to note that, I mean, Spielman and Zimmer, who were very close to Harrison Smith, they're gone. So uh, Adolfo Mensa and O'Connell don't have that quote emotional attachment that Smith has. I mean, do you just move on from him? And you also look at Adam Thielen, who's got a crazy cap number. um, 16.9 million in that general vicinity. And that's kind of a crazy, I mean, I think he's still productive, but he's your number two receiver. And that's a pretty crazy cap number for a number two receiver. You might have to make a hard decision regarding him. So I think it's going to start with, and of course, Kirk Cousins, who who we've already talked about, it's going to start with making some hard decisions on some of those uh, huge uh, cap numbers.
0: Yeah. And you brought up a good point, right? Like it's, it's, it's a new regime here and there's going to be a lot of, of different perspectives on these guys, because I think as we saw in the past, there were times when we think of people like, I mean, a Chad Beebe, for instance, um, who would always get brought back, uh, because the coaching staff liked them. Uh, that's not necessarily the case anymore. And, uh, to your point, maybe we see see some long tenured veterans that we're used to seeing on Sundays in purple no longer playing um for our team I know you did Harrison Smith Adam Thiel, that's that's a good one I, I I thought of um you know when you think of maybe Kevin O'Connell's personnel that he wants to implement uh is as sad as it may be maybe c j ham is a guy that might be on the outs uh, I think he's got you could cut him for, for pretty cheap and save about a million and a half in cap as well. So, uh, yeah, to your point, uh, it's it's, it's going to be fun here coming coming in, the, in what, two, three weeks. But um, I, I want to get your takes, and I know we've taken up uh, a good portion of your night tonight, and I'm very appreciative of you, of you hopping on. Uh, I want to get a couple more of your takes, uh, one being Justin Jefferson's comments today on – Kirk Cousins and it can be a simple yes or no answer but are you buying what Justin Jefferson is saying about Kirk Cousins um do you believe that he thinks Kirk is is his quarterback and he can win with them or do you think that was more he was coached by you know the Vikings to to just say the correct thing and kind of move on
2: no, I believe him. I think he's pretty sincere. I think he's he's shown that. I mean, uh, if you remember after the, the Rams game, I mean, he was pretty much talking about how the team didn't have any energy and he was kind of questioning things happening down at the goal line, but that had more to do with coaching. I mean, I think – He's an honest fellow. And his comments today really weren't that much different than what he said after the season finale against Chicago. He pretty much came out and spoke very well of Kirk Cousins and said he wouldn't have had all these yards or this kind of season without Kirk Cousins. So, yeah, I believe he's being sincere. And, I mean, uh, the people who state that, oh, he doesn't have a good relationship with, with Kirk Cousins, et cetera, a lot of that is based on just kind of his reactions in games when he's wide open or he's or on the sideline or anything like that but i think that goes back to justin jefferson being exceedingly competitive and it doesn't matter who the quarterback is if he feels that he's open, he doesn't get hit he's going to kind of wear his uh, emotions on his sleeve at times and he's that type of competitive guy so no i i didn't i i read his comments as Genuine and consistent to what he had said previously about Kirk Cousins. Fair enough.
0: Yeah, and I think that's 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 a fair assessment, right? I mean, we can't really read too much into these these comments in the off season, right? I mean, it's going to be a long off season. We're going to hear lots of things. Um, Justin Jefferson said he he liked Kirk Cousins, and uh, I think we just we just kind of roll with that. Uh, the other breaking news today for the Vikings, right? Um, I think uh, Mark Mike Garafolo from NFL Network reported it early this morning, but the Vikings hired uh, Ryan Grigson uh, for a senior role in the football personnel department. Um, so he's gonna he served alongside Quasi, um, you know, before, but now he's he's going to be joining the Vikings. Any thoughts on that move? Um, do you have Have you been doing some digging uh, on on some people that might know him or or have any insight to what type of person he is?
2: Well, the Vikings announced that move today, so uh, that is an official move. No, I think it's uh, an excellent move. I mean, obviously he's got 23 years' experience in NFL front offices, a former general manager. He comes from the personnel scouting-type side, while uh, a lot of people have been saying, oh, Odoffo Mensah, Comes from the analytics side. How good is he on personnel? I mean, the people I've talked to said that that's not a fair rap and that he's been getting better and better with personnel, but it's something that he still is probably working to perfect. I mean, not coming from that side initially. I mean, not even being a football player growing up. But here now he has a right-hand man in a former NFL General manager. And it sounds like there's no doubt that he's the guy who's going to be the potential number two guy. I mean, when they come out with the staff directory, we'll have to see where he uh, is on the pecking order, but (laughs) I don't think that's going to matter that much. This is a guy that uh, Adolfo Mensa worked for in the last two years in Cleveland, trusts him, and he's going to consult with him. Before making lots of key decisions, and uh, he's gonna have that respected personnel guy in in the front office, so there's no doubt it seems like a good move.
3: That's great to hear. You know, I know there's a lot of chatter that maybe we'd bring in that. Catherine Reiki, um, or or I think it was Brandon Brown, uh, to be as a GM, but to have somebody who's actually been there done that, I think that's a great move for the team, and and hopefully he can bring that knowledge and expertise uh, to help Quacy uh, as he continues to develop as a GM. Um, in, in terms of the two new guys that we are bringing in, um, what has you most excited about the the this combo of um, Adafa Mensah and and uh, O'Connell?
2: Um, O'Connell, just you hear about uh McVeigh. It's true calls the plays in Los Angeles, but O'Connell plays a key role in developing the game plans and and that sort of thing and You just kind of look at the Rams. I mean, NFL Network had an interview with Justin Jefferson this past weekend, and Jefferson was saying that he'd been looking at the Rams offense and getting excited, and Cooper Cup is like always open. So you just felt (laughs) last year with the Clint Kubiak offense that, you know, there was so much more that they could have done with these – Great talent. I mean, Justin Jefferson, Pro Bowl receiver. Dalvin Cook, Pro Bowl running back. Adam Thielen, before he got hurt, two-time Pro Bowl receiver. Kirk Cousins, love him or hate him, he did just go to his third Pro Bowl. So you're thinking maybe more on offense. The Vikings could have been a lot more explosive and Zimmer always had, okay, I'm a defensive coach. I'm a defense coach. I don't care if we win games four to two and that sort of thing. So they're kind of released from the shackles of that. And, uh, Hey, maybe the Vikings will be winning some 42 to 37 games this coming season.
0: (laughs) Hey, we'd be winning. So that's, that's a plus for us. um, a couple things I I want to do, and, and then we can ca- we can call it a show here. Uh, kind of a final question: Is there any um, information that you know at the moment, or that you can share with Viking fans? Um, rumors that you're hearing, um, something we should keep an eye on. I know you mentioned Wes Phillips today, and you mentioned it tonight in the show as well. But is is there any anything else that that you're kind of hearing that you w- would be okay sharing on the show this evening?
2: Nothing immediately because I would probably tweet it out first. You know, I'm like uh, yeah,
0: Patrick absolutely. Peterson
2: on his Patrick Peterson on his podcast. I did a big story in his podcast, and one of the things he broke on his own show was he was going to be switching to number seven. And he's like, "Hey, it's my news. I'm I'm going to break it on my own platform," which he did. So nothing, unfortunately, that I can uh, throw out now. But I will say, be very careful on. Twitter. I mean, I'm not going to name names of anybody specific, but you know, a lot of people just throw things out and they don't really know what's going on in the Vikings organization, and then they get retweeted, and then you see all this stuff. Oh, I heard the Vikings are going to do this, so you know, learn learn who you can trust on Twitter.
0: Yeah, well, I think I think we learned that lesson right with Jim Harbaugh. I think I mean when we saw people changing their profile pictures to to Harbaugh, and and then they were all kind of devastated, right? And it kind of made the the impact of O'Connell being hired a little bit hired, right? It's not official, but it kind of made that a little bit less uh, exciting because everyone was more so disappointed that Harbaugh didn't get hired. So I can I can appreciate that advice and, uh, and, and I share it too. So if, if you're listening to this or watching, um, take Chris's advice. Trust him. Trust trust Chris. He, yeah, well, he <laughs> provides a lot of good
2: information. I mean, I'll, the Harbaugh thing, there was a, uh, the Wolverine, which I guess is some kind of fan site, went so far as to post a day before Harbaugh's interview that, you know, he was going to get the job. And it was kind of like, well, uh, I mean, I didn't deny that he probably was the favorite at that point potentially, but it's like, He hasn't even interviewed. (laughs) He's already got the job. He hasn't even interviewed. So uh, just be careful a lot of what you read.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I want to give you a chance quick, uh, and then I want to cover Super Bowl predictions right before we end the show. But uh, in talking with you, and uh, we we, we know that you wrote a book, right? And it's out on Amazon. And, And I think in the link description below on YouTube here, you can there's a link direct to it you can go buy it on amazon support chris um but can you tell us a little bit about the book um and and what kind of inspired you to write
2: it oh i appreciate that yeah why even a picture on the screen that's very very (laughs) impressive is that uh, coming up ryan so it works perfect Okay. Uh yeah, so <laughs> yeah. this came out last uh fall. Uh it's the as you can see there on the screen if the listeners can see it at the same time, imagine they can. Uh the Minnesota Vikings all-time all-stars and they actually came to me because uh there was a similar book done on the Packers, but other than just kind of the format, I mean, I had carte blanche to do whatever I wanted. Uh I interviewed over 50 former players and people for the book. And basically it's chapters on the best Vikings at every single position in their history. And then you choose an all-time all-star team of the best players at each position of Vikings history. But, you know, in, in the uh, long run, I think the most interesting part about the book is that whether it's somebody who actually made the – all-time all-team or somebody who didn't actually make the final cut. There's still a lengthy chapter on over 50 great Vikings players. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff. I mean, uh, the Gary Zimmerman chapter, I mean, he's a guy who never spoke to the media when he was in Minnesota, when he was in Denver, and he kind of opened up I mean, he's a Hall of Fame tackle and talking about kind of his uh, divorce from the Vikings, you know, if you will. I mean, here's a Hall of Fame tackle and he's not even in the Vikings ring of honor. That's because Uh there's a divorce and things didn't end well and that kind of stuff. So uh, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in the book. I mean, Alan Page just kind of it was interesting. I mean, he I asked him his greatest honor ever and he you'd think okay he's one of two defensive players ever to win mvp maybe that's it uh or maybe it's um getting in the hall of fame or maybe it's not football maybe it's being an associate supreme court justice in minnesota no his all-time greatest honor was when he had a middle school in the minneapolis area named after him about five years ago or so so i think there's some interesting awesome. uh tidbits in there and uh for a mere 1995 uh you can find out what some more of them are
0: yeah well like i said if if, if you're watching the show or if you're listening on a podcast head over to our youtube page um i don't know if dave can throw it in the podcast link as well but uh, i hope he can so uh let's do super bowl quick let's I mean it's the big week and hopefully someday we can be sitting here a Wednesday before Super Bowl Sunday and it's our team there and not some other team but alas here we are another uh, Viking season where we're just left kind of watching from our couches two other teams uh, fight for the Lombardi trophy so Chris I'm going to save you to the end because I you've seen a lot more football than we have so I feel like you might be smarter than us but Ryan Dave you can come on out too by the way. Uh Ryan, let's hear some Super Bowl predictions for Sunday and uh and then we'll we'll wrap this thing up.
3: Yeah. Um you know my 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 brain is telling me Rams, my heart's telling me Bengals. Uh I, I want the I want the underdog to win. I think that's the Bengals. They haven't won a Super Bowl yet. Um Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, fun story. Um yeah, I, I, and, and I want to say that O'Connell's so much prepping for his new job that he's kind of neglecting his team. I'll say Bengals 27-24.
0: I appreciate the score prediction. I wasn't going to force you to do that, but uh, now it's now it's now you have to. So, Dave, sorry, you got to, you got to do a score on the top of your head here.
1: Well, I'm figuring the Rams are going to win this, and we're going to have a new Super Bowl-winning head coach. And, yes, Dave. Um, yeah, let's show it like 31-24-ish. All right. All right. I, Chris? I, I do think Cincinnati's going to put up a fight.
0: I do too. Chris, what do you think for Sunday?
2: I, I'm going to say the Rams win 33-27 to 27 in overtime. They score on the first possession just so Ooh. we can have another entire off season of controversy and overtime rules because Buffalo-Kansas City was the big news, and then Cincinnati ended up beating Kansas City. It was kind of like, okay, well, you know, they got the interception, and that didn't come into play then. So I'm predicting the Rams will put that back on the front burner with a scoring on the first possession in overtime 33-27 to victory.
0: I love it. I am on board with you guys. I am choosing the Rams to win. Sorry, Ryan, uh, because I would like a Super Bowl winning head coach to be coming uh, to our team on Monday morning, and uh, hopefully, hopefully that happens. Uh, I want a close game. I want a high scoring game. I'll say, I'll say forty to thirty seven field goal. It's, it's, it's a weird score. 40 to 37, field goal to win it. Kevin O'Connell, Super Bowl winning head coach for the Minnesota Vikings moving forward. Um, Chris, thanks again for hopping on tonight. Really appreciate it. We got a long offseason. We have a draft show coming up in April, which we'd love to have you on um, just to kind of get your perspective. We run second, we start the draft all the way through draft weekend. So if, if that's something we can work out, I'll I'll hit you up on Twitter and, and we can coordinate something. Otherwise, we definitely have to get you back on this show. And uh, I, since you're just right down the road, right down by uh, Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer, uh, we can we can <laughs> yeah. hopefully meet up. Uh, and I, I know there's some good breweries around there. So if, then we can have a drink and you don't have to stick to your tea, if that sounds good to you.
1: Okay, sounds fair. And if you ever get a chance or need uh, I can send you up some green chilies from Hatch. <laughs>
2: okay. That might even be a better deal. Yeah. Yes, it is. That is the better
0: deal. That is the better deal. You don't want to hang out with me, but um, okay. <laughs> for everybody, nah,
2: just joking.
0: <laughs> for everybody that listened tonight or is listening tomorrow on the podcast, I appreciate that. If you haven't yet, Head on over to our YouTube channel. Hit that like and subscribe button. We're here every Wednesday night. Uh, Next week, we have Will Raggett from Sports Illustrated hopping on. Uh, Kevin O'Connell should be the head coach by that point, officially. And so we'll talk all things Vikings as we inch closer to free agency, the new league year, lots of decisions to be made. So make sure you're coming back next week, 8 o'clock. We will be here. Um, I'm going to toss it to Dave to send us out if there's anything else. But uh, thank you guys.
1: There's a couple things. First off, Chris, I put up the TwinCities.com Pioneer Press. That is where everybody can find your writings, is it not?
2: That is indeed. Your graphics are excellent, sir. Uh,
1: also, <laughs> tomorrow night we weren't going to have Vikings hot takes because Eric's down in the uh, Caicos getting his vitamin D and his vitamin C via fruity fruity drinks. But instead, we're going to have, most likely, a in the huddle, but a special one. We are having Flip Mozzie, and we're having Jonas from Vikings, Germany, joining us for the show tomorrow night. It should be wild. We're going to talk... Anything and everything Vikings, especially what's happening in Europe and how they're viewing the whole situation. So it should be interesting. And then, of course, on Saturday you have two old bloggers with myself and Darren. Until then, what do we say? Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Go Go Vikings! Go Vikings! Thank you for watching or listening.